when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches laugh large in the Stately plump bug bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Prince of Shakespeare and Company read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Alexander Hamilton. He went to the door and, holding it ajar, paused. J.J. O'Molloy slapped the heavy pages over. The noise of two shrill voices, a mouth organ, echoed in the bare hallway from the newsboys squatted on the doorstep. We are the boys of Wexford who fought with heart and hand. Exit Bloom. I'm just running around to Bachelor's Walk, Mr. Bloom said, about this ad of Keith's. Want to fix it up? They tell me he's round there in Dillon's. He looked indecisively for a moment at their faces. The editor, who, leaning against the mantel shelf, had propped his head on his hand, suddenly stretched forth an arm amply. Be gone, he said. The world is before you. Back in no time, Mr. Bloom said, hurrying out. J.J. O'Molloy took the tissues from Lenehan's hand and read them, blowing them apart gently without comment. You'll get that advertisement, the professor said, staring through his black-rimmed spectacles over the cross-blind. Look at the young scamps after him. Show, where? Lenehan cried, running to the window. A street cortege. Both smiled over the cross-blind at the file of capering newsboys in Mr. Bloom's wake, the last zigzagging, white on the breeze, a mocking kite, a tail of white bow knots. Look at the young gutter snipe behind him, hue and cry, Lenahan said, and you'll kick. Oh, my rib risable. Taking off his flat spogs on the walk, small nines, steel upon larks. He began to mazurka in swift caricature across the floor on sliding feet past the fireplace to J.J. O'Molloy, who placed the tissues in his receiving hands. What's that? Miles Crawford said with a start. Where are the other two gone? Who? the professor said, turning. They're going round to the Oval for a drink. Patty Hooper's there with Jack Hall. Came over last night. Come on then, Miles Crawford said. Where's my hat? He walked jerkily into the office behind, parting the vent of his jacket, jingling his keys in his back pocket. They jingled then in the air and against the wood as he locked his desk drawer. He's pretty well on, Professor McHugh said in a low voice. Seems to be. J.J. O'Molloy said, taking out a cigarette case in murmuring meditation. But it is not always as it seems. Who has the most matches? The Calumet of Peace. He offered a cigarette to the professor and took one himself. Lanahan promptly struck a match for them and lit their cigarettes in turn. J.J. O'Molloy opened his case again and offered it. Thank you, Lanahan said, helping himself. The editor came from the inner office, a straw hat awry on his brow. He declaimed in song, pointing sternly at Professor McHugh. "'Twas rank and fame that tempted thee, "'twas empire charmed thy heart." The professor grinned, locking his long lips. "'Huh? Ye old bloody old Roman empire,' Miles Crawford said. 
He took a cigarette from the open case. Lenahan, lighting it for him with quick grace, said, Silence for my brand new riddle. Imperium Romanum, J.J. O'Molloy said gently. It sounds nobler than British or Brixton. The word reminds one somehow of fat in the fire. Miles Crawford blew his first puff violently towards the ceiling. That's it, he said. We are the fat. You and I are the fat in the fire. We haven't got the chance of a snowball in hell. The grandeur that was Rome. Wait a moment, Professor McHugh said, raising two quiet claws. We mustn't be led away by words, by sounds of words. We think of Rome, imperial, imperious, imperative. He extended elocutionary arms from frayed stained shirt cuffs, pausing. What was their civilization? Vast, I allow, but vile. Cloaque, sewers, the Jews in the wilderness and on the mountaintop said, It is meet to be here. Let us build an altar to Jehovah. The Roman, like the Englishman who follows in his footsteps, brought to every new shore on which he set his foot. On our shore he never set it, only his cloacal obsession. He gazed about him in his toga, and he said, It is meet to be here. Let us construct a water closet. Which they accordingly did do, Lenehan said. Our old ancient ancestors, as we read in the first chapter of Guinnesses, were partial to the running stream. They were nature's gentlemen, J.J. Omoloi murmured. But we also have Roman law. And Pontius Pilate is its prophet, Professor McHugh responded. Do you know that story about Chief Baron Pallies? J.J. Omoloi asked. It was at the Royal University dinner. Everything was going swimmingly. First my riddle, Lenahan said. Are you ready? Mr. Maddenberg, tall and copious gray of Donegal Tweed, came in from the hallway. Stephen Dedalus behind him, uncovered as he entered. Entrez, mes enfants, Lenahan cried. I escort a suppliant, Mr. Maddenberg said melodiously. Youth led by experience visits notoriety. How do you do? The editor said, holding out a hand. Come in. Your governor is just gone. Question mark. Lenehan said to all, Silence. What opera resembles a railway line? Reflect, ponder, excogitate, reply. Stephen handed over the typed sheets, pointing to the title and signature. Who? The editor asked, bit torn off. Mr. Garrett Deasy, Stephen said. That old pelters, the editor said. Who tore it? Was he short taken? On swift sail flaming from storm and south, he comes pale vampire, mouth to mouth. Good day, Stephen, the professor said, coming to peer over their shoulders. Foot and mouth, are you turned? Bullock befriending bars. Shindy in well-known restaurant. Good day, sir, Stephen answered, blushing. The letter is not mine. Mr. Garrett Deasy asked me to. Oh, I know him, Mile Crawford said, and knew his wife too. The bloodiest old tartar god ever made. By Jesus, she had the foot and mouth disease, and no mistake. The night she threw the soup in the waiter's face in the star and garter. Oh, oh. A woman brought sin into the world, for Helen, the runaway wife of Menelaus, ten years the Greeks, O'Rourke, prince of Brefini. Is he a widower? Stephen asked. Aye, a grass one, Miles Crawford said, his eye running down the typescript. Emperor's horses, Habsburg, an Irishman saved his life on the ramparts of Vienna. Don't you forget, Maximilian Carl O'Donnell, 
Graf von Turconel in Ireland, sent his heir over to make the king an Austrian field marshal now. Going to be trouble there one day. Wild geese. Oh, yes, every time. Don't you forget that. The moot point is, did he forget it? J.J. O'Malloy said quietly, turning a horseshoe paperweight. Saving princes is a thank-you job. Professor McHugh turned on him. And if not, he said, I'll tell you how it was. Miles Crawford began. Hungarian, it was one day. Lost causes, noble Marquess mentioned. We were always loyal to lost causes, the professor said. Success for us is the death of the intellect and of the imagination. We were never loyal to the successful. We served them. I teach the blatant Latin language. I speak the tongue of a race, the acme of whose mentality is the maxim, time is money, material domination, dominus, Lord. Where is the spirituality? Lord Jesus, Lord Salisbury, a sofa in a Western club, but the Greek. Kyrie eleison. A smile of light brightened his dark-rimmed eyes, lengthened his long lips. The Greek, he said again, Kyrios, shining word. The vowels, the Semite and the Saxon, know not. Kyrie, the radiance of the intellect. I ought to profess Greek, the language of the mind. Kyrie eleison. The closet-maker and the cloaca-maker will never be lords of our spirit. We are liege subjects of the Catholic chivalry of Europe that foundered at Trafalgar and of the empire of the spirit, not an imperium, that went under with the Athenian fleet at Agospotami. Yes, yes, they went under. Pyrrhus, misled by an oracle, made a last attempt to retrieve the fortunes of Greece. Loyal to a lost cause. He strode away from them towards the window. They went forth to battle. Mr. Maddenberg said gravely, but they always fell. Boo-hoo, Lenahan wept with a little noise, owing to a brick received in the latter half of the matinee. Poor, poor Pyrrhus. He whispered then near Stephen's ear, Lenahan's limerick. There's a ponderous pundit, McHugh, who wears goggles of ebony hue, and he mostly sees double. To wear them, why trouble? I can't see the Joe Miller in you. In mourning for solace, Mulligan says, whose mother's beastly dead. Miles Crawford crammed the sheets into a side pocket. That'll be all right, he said. I'll read the rest after. That'll be all right. Lenahan extended his hands in protest. But my riddle, he said, what opera is like a railway line? Opera? Mr. O'Maddenberg's sphinx face re-riddled. Lenahan announced gladly, the rose of Castile. See the weave? Rose of Castile. Gee! He poked Mr. Maddenberg mildly in the spleen. Mr. Maddenberg fell back with grace on his umbrella, feigning a gasp. Help, he sighed. I feel a strong weakness. Lenahan, rising to tiptoe, fanned his face rapidly with the rustling tissues. The professor, returning by way of the file, swept his hand across Stevens and Mr. Maddenberg's loose ties. Paris, past and present, he said, you look like communards. Like fellows who had blown up the Bastille, J.J. O'Molloy said in quiet mockery. Or was it you shot the Lord Lieutenant of Finland between you? You look as though you had done the deed. General Bobrikov, Omnium Gatherum. We were only thinking about it, Stevens said. All the talents, Mal Crawford said, law, the classics. 
The turf, Lanahan put in. Literature, the press. If Bloom were here, the professor said, the gentle art of advertisement. And Madame Bloom, Mr. Maddenberg added, the vocal muse, Dublin's prime favorite. Lenahan gave a loud cough, <clears throat> said very softly, Oh, for a fresh of breath there, I caught a call in the park. The gate was open. <laughs>